Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. War. What is it good for everything you eat? Sing it again. Nope, once is fine. On this week's episode of History Bites, we are going to talk about war and how it has influenced what you eat on a daily basis. You may not know this, but war is responsible for some of the greatest food innovations in history. For every country that was conquered or occupied, food was always at the center. War creates new trading routes, cultural appropriations, and food fusions. That's right, war is the original fusion cuisine. Sorry, Cheesecake Factory, but your multi-ethnic menu of Korean fried cauliflower, margarita pizzas, and Chinese chicken salad is thanks to war. Okay, war sucks, but if you're eating Cheetos while listening to this, you have war to thank. So strap on your helmets, throw on some camo in a non-ironic way, and crack open an MRE, because we are going to dive into how war has changed everything we eat. Oh, um, MRE stands for Meal Ready to Eat, for you civilians who didn't know. JK, I absolutely had to look that up. We begin in ancient Rome. When the Romans wanted to conquer someone, they had a fun strategy. Create a massive circle around the town and wait for the people to starve to death. Good guys. Meanwhile, the Romans had mobile kitchens to keep their soldiers well-fed while they waited. The Romans basically created the food truck. And no, not the fancy Brooklyn truck selling vegan lettuce wraps. These are like the hefty construction site trucks with greasy tacos and health code violations. Pharaoh, get your pharaoh here. Pharaoh, by the way, was the main grain that kept the Roman legions carbo-loaded. The Romans would also salt the earth, literally salting the ground to destroy crops after they took over a town, so the people who were left would starve even more. Can you starve more? Once you're starved, you're starved, right? Also, shameless plug for the amazing salt episode we did last week to learn more. While we're in Europe, let's go to España. The Moors conquered Spain in 711 CE. And do you know what they brought with them? Saffron and rice. That's right, there's no paella without a Moorish invasion that lasted 800 years. In fact, the Moors' catchphrase was, the Moors, come for the occupation, stay for the paella. You want some Moor? Who loves bad puns? I do. The Moors also brought eggplant, almonds, and sugarcane into Spain. They even taught the Spaniards how to properly produce olive oil. So every fried tapa you ever had was basically Moorish. 
Speaking of Muslims fighting Christians, let's get into the Crusades. The Crusaders were not good eaters. All they wanted was to liberate the Holy Land and find the Holy Grail, and their diets were super bland. But after hundreds of years and hundreds of thousands of deaths, the only thing the Crusades are really responsible for bringing back to Europe are, are you ready for it? Dates. That's a tough consolation prize when you're looking for the cup of Christ. Let's take a look at one of the all-time great warmongers, Napoleon. Napoleon famously said, an army marches on its stomach, and he's responsible for two very important food invasions that we take for granted today. The first is canning. Canning was invented because the French government held a competition to see who could invent a cheap and easy way to store food for long periods of time. Nicolas Appert developed a method of sealing food in glass jars that led to canning. That's right, Napoleon crowdsourced canned foods. His GoFundMe page would have been amazing. Hey guys, it's me, Napoleon, you know, Napdog. I'm just trying to raise some money to fund my passion project, taking over the whole goddamn world. You can also thank Napoleon for the baguette. It's said that the baguette was created in a long, slender way so that French troops could carry them in their trousers. Hey, is that a baguette in your pocket, or are you just happy to see me? Oh no, it's a baguette, but because we are French, we are still going to have sex. Appert, the canning guy, is also technically responsible for the creation of condensed milk, but we have the American Civil War to thank for its popularity. During the Civil War, the military needed a way to get milk to the troops without it spoiling. Gail Borden invented a vacuum process that reduced milk's water content by about 60% and ensured safety and quality. It was also shelf-stable. The Union Army ordered mass amounts of the stuff, and if you're familiar with Borden Dairy today, this is where it started. Soldiers loved the product so much that after the war, condensed milk stayed in high demand. Yup, they liberated the slaves and their sweet tooth. That's a weird sentence. But the Civil War is just the tip of the iceberg for American-made innovations through war. Starting with World War I, there are dozens of innovations that are still used today. Phrases like meatless Mondays, local is best, and eat less wheat were ways for the war propagandists to get people to consume less to leave even more food for the troops. World War I was a vegan's dream. Crisco replaced lard, dried peas replaced beef for sources of protein, and vinegar and water replaced eggs. And you thought trench warfare was bad. For the mother of all food innovations, though, we have to turn to World War II, the sequel to end all war food sequels. One of the most fascinating results of rationing during World War II is that it created a forced version of food equality. Poor people and rich people generally got the same food, which actually led to a massive reduction in infant deaths. Let's not get carried away. Rich people still ate better, but the story's kind of nice. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. World War II did create some of the most interesting food byproducts, like Spam, a food product that answers the question, what if a pig and a sponge had a child? 
The military bought more than 150 million pounds of the stuff and basically turned it into a diet staple in Hawaii where an estimated 5 million pounds of it is consumed every year. Hey Hawaiians, we have an obesity epidemic and you have the freshest, best fish in the world. Make better life choices. During the Korean War, meat was so hard to come by that the local population did whatever they could to find the stuff. Well, guess who had a lot of meat stuff? The US military in the form of Spam. Spam became so ubiquitous in Korea that it is now a staple of the Korean diet and South Korea consumes the most Spam on the planet outside the US. Nutella is another byproduct of the war. Cocoa was hard to come by in Italy, but hazelnuts were everywhere. A baker named Pietro Ferrero got clever and used hazelnuts, sugar, and a very small amount of cocoa to make the insanely delicious paste we know and love today. Thanks, war! Also, this Ferrero guy, he's like the Thomas Edison of chocolatey goodness. He gave us Ferrero share, a bunch of Kinder chocolates, and randomly, Tic Tacs. World War II also caused a frozen food explosion. Frozen foods used fewer ration points than canned foods because tin was being used for ammo. Americans got used to frozen foods and never looked back. Okay guys, ready to get your minds blown? Not in the war type way, in just, just this is really exciting. Dehydrated cheese was invented during World War II to reduce shipping weight, which basically turned cheese into dust that they could mold into squares. But here's the thing, there was so much cheese dust left over after the war that numerous companies took advantage by using cheap powdered cheese to flavor other foods. This is where we get Cheetos from, Goldfish crackers, Kraft Mac and Cheese, Doritos, all of this from the cheese dust. Mind blown. Again, thoughts and prayers to, yeah. World War II also made Velveeta a staple in America. There was such a shortage of real cheese that Velveeta stepped in and gave homemakers a way to snazz up mealtime. Velveeta with broccoli, Velveeta with leftovers, and Velveeta on a jelly omelet. That's not a funny exaggeration. That was literally a thing. Velveeta on a jelly omelet. That has to have been the worst thing to have come out of World War II, right? No? Okay, moving right along. You can also thank World War II for Twinkies. Though they were invented before the war, the original Twinkie was filled with bananas. But when bananas were rationed, hostess started filling their Twinkies with a cream version we know today. Thanks, Hitler! Finally, there's ramen. You may not realize this, but ramen is really Chinese. Wait for the culinary appropriation episode to learn more. But after World War II, Japan was decimated. They had their worst rice harvest in four decades, and the Americans were responsible for getting the place back together. Well, the U.S. ships so much wheat that the Japanese turned that wheat into noodles and those noodles into ramen. Because it was so cheap and easy, ramen became a staple of the Japanese diet. Ramen also became super porky because Americans provided the Japanese with our local protein, pork, and the Japanese began using it in their ramen as well. So ramen is basically deconstructed, then reconstructed American pork and bread. We don't just export freedom, we also export obesity. Literally deconstructing meats was also thanks to the US military. In the 1960s, the military was tasked with developing a cheaper version of steak. They basically figured out how to break down meat and reassemble it into weirdly shaped blobs. Restructured meat eventually made its way into the private sector, and that, my friends, is why we have the McRib. If that's not the best PR for the US military, I don't know what is. Oh yeah, the Twinkie. Okay, if you've made it this far, it's time I tell you about my favorite war food of all time, the croissant. 
The history of the croissant is amazing. The croissant was not originally created in France. No, it was created in Austria to commemorate the Austro-Hungarian Empire's defeat over the Ottoman Empire. And it's shaped like the crescent that we see on the Turkish flag today, which by the way, is a weird flex. The Austrians were like, we have defeated you in battle, and now we will deliver the final blow by turning your flag into a delicious breakfast treat. So what have we learned? We eat way too much spam. Good luck catching up, Korea. Napoleon overcompensated for his height with bread. And gamers owe all their snack foods to World War II. Thanks for listening and come back next week. I promise we will blow your minds yet again. But again, not in the war type way. This episode of Green Eggs and Dan History Bites was produced and edited by Jordan Aaron. Executive produced by Jeff Umbro and The Podglomerate. You can find more of their podcasts at thepodglomerate.com. This episode was co-written by myself and my partner in food crime, the Paul Feinstein. If you like this show, please tell a friend, share an episode, leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's really important to us, guys. Please do it. If you want more Green Eggs and Dan action, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at StandUpDan. Also, we have a YouTube page where you can actually see me and my guests going through their fridges. Just type Green Eggs and Dan into YouTube, like and subscribe. I promise you will enjoy it. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.